0: Covering the Green Bay Packers training camp all summer long, this is CampCast, a Midwest communications podcast. The Green Bay Packers are more than halfway through training camp and now um, halfway through the preseason schedule, so it's time to start seeing if we can't weed out the roster battles and who's going to be a part of this team when they open against the Chicago Bears on September 9th. We'll center in on the offensive roster battles in this edition of the Green and Gold Campcast. And at quarterback, well, we know Aaron Rodgers is going to be there, but the backup job is still up in the air. Brett Hundley is being challenged by Deshaun Kaiser, the former Cleveland Brown that the Packers acquired in the offseason in the Demarius Randall trade. And quite honestly, Hundley is still ahead of Kaiser. That's understandable. Deshaun learning a new system in Green Bay, a new language. Hundley's got several years of experience, and that has given him the edge so far in camp. But Kaiser may be worth sticking as a number three. And then again, there's the rookie free agent Tim Boyle from Eastern Kentucky, who's flashed a very strong arm and showing enough promise that the Packers might want to try and sneak him through on the practice squad. But remember last year, they tried to do the same thing with Taysom Hill, an exciting athletic quarterback out of BYU. But when he was weighed by the Packers, the New Orleans Saints... Picked him up and made him a part of their 53-man roster. Not sure if the Packers are willing to try that again with Boyle, but we'll see. At running back, an interesting situation. Jamal Williams returns as the leading rusher, and Ty Montgomery looks much more comfortable in his role as a full-time running back. But after that, it is wide open. Aaron Jones has been injured for much of camp, and he's also facing a two game suspension for violating the league's substance abuse policy. So, you won't be eligible to return to the Packers until before they head to the Washington Redskins in week number three. Devontae Mays has missed almost all of training camp with an injury, and that could cost him a job. Because two young free agents have shown at least a promise enough to get a long look. That is Joel Bowenian, who scored against the Titans in the preseason opener, and Akeem Judd, who's bounced around a couple of teams in training camp, but learned the Packer offense in a matter of three days and contributed last week and again against the Steelers. Packers are likely going to keep three, maybe four running backs. Williams, Montgomery, and you would think Jones would be safe. And then that fourth one, up for grabs. At fullback, the Packers have the luxury of two on the roster, Aaron Rivkowski and Joe Carriage. Not sure they'll be able to afford that luxury going into the regular season. And Ripkowski certainly has the edge in that department. At wide receiver, well, we all know about the top two, Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, but with Jordy Nelson now in Oakland, the number three job, that looks to be Geronimo Allison's. He has moved into that role almost from the start at training camp and has no, shown no signs of giving up that number three spot. After that, it could be a crapshoot, depending on how many receivers the Packers keep. Six, maybe seven. Trevor Davis is being counted on in the return game, but he has missed a chunk of training camp with an injury. And of the three drafted wide receivers, Jamon Moore was the first to get the call by the Packers, followed by Marquez Valdez-Scantling and then Equiminius St. Brown. My opinion, Valdez-Scantling has moved to the top of the class. St. Brown may be next in line, and Moore has really struggled with inconsistency. He's made some fantastic catches, but has also come away with some bad drops. And then there is the undrafted free agent, Jake Kummerow of UW-Whitewater. All he's done is everything asked of him. 52-yard touchdown against the Titans. He's made several spectacular plays in training camp. Aaron Rodgers has sung his praises several times this summer. And I have a feeling Kummerow is going to find a way into the mix and beyond the final 53. And there's some long-shot wideouts like Adonis Jennings and Kyle Lewis who are going to be hard-pressed to find a roster spot with all of that competition. But if I had to make a choice right now on the top six, I'd go with Adams, Cobb, Allison, Davis, Valdez-Scantling, and St. Brown with Kumaro right in the hunt. It's going to be a very tough call for the Packers. Well, the overhaul tight end position. Let's see if they can get it right this year. 2017, they brought in Martellus Bennett along with Lance Kendricks and had Richard Rodgers returning. Rodgers never flashed the potential as a former third-round draft choice and left via free agency, and we all know what happened with Bennett. He flamed out and up and left the team practically just two months into the regular season. So this year, the Packers go out and sign Jimmy Graham, a former All-Pro with the New Orleans Saints and the Seattle Seahawks, and he has done nothing uh, to disappoint. He has been fantastic in camp with spectacular grabs and should be a big part of the offense. Kendricks returns, as does another former number 1 draft choice and 12-year veteran in Mercedes Lewis. I think those three are clearly safe. After that, there might be a fourth tight end that makes his way onto the team. Robert Tanyan is a free agent who has shown plenty, in my opinion, and has moved ahead of the likes of Emmanuel Byrd, a holdover from last year, and another free agent in Ryan Smith. If the Packers keep four, it will be Graham, Lewis, Kendricks, and Tanyan. Finally, we'll zero in on the offensive line. Starting five looks intact. Now it's just getting them healthy and ready for the regular season. Corey Lindsley at center, who played every single snap last season for the Packers. Lane Taylor at one guard, flanked by David Bakhtiari, the all-pro at left tackle. Brian Balaga returning off major knee surgery at right tackle. And the newcomer to the group is Justin McCray. He's going to lock down that right guard starting job after Jerry Evans was brought in last year as a one-year stopgap replacement once T.J. Lang left in free agency for the Detroit Lions. McCray was a jack-of-all-trades for the Packers offensive line when injuries hit that front last season. Played three different positions for the Packers and has just settled in at the right guard spot and looks like he's going to hang on to it and become the new starter. As for the backups, Packers usually keep nine and dress maybe seven or eight on game days. And the top reserve is going to be Kyle Murphy. He is the backup left tackle, but has also played right tackle for the Packers, and he looks more polished than second-round draft choice from a couple of years ago, Jason Spriggs, who has struggled with consistency. He is getting a strong battle from former Dallas Cowboy Byron Bell, player who has started 70 games in his NFL career. My favorite at the inside guard backup position is Lucas Patrick. He's played both the left and the right side, and I think he's going to find a way to stick on the roster again. Dylan Day is a player that the Packers had on the practice squad last season as the backup center. He has got a chance. Adam Pankey has made strong gains this year, playing primarily as an inside guard after being drafted as a tackle. Kofi Amicia is another former draft choice, trying to find his way onto the roster after spending last year on the practice squad. Then there is Austin Davis, who is a third-string center, and Alex Light, who's at the tail end of the depth chart on the offensive line. If the Packers keep nine, you'll have the starting five, and then I would go with Murphy, Patrick, Bell, and Day over Spriggs in a very tight call. Both Day and Panky could be eligible to return as part of the Packers practice squad. On our next Green and Gold Campcast, we'll take a look at the defensive side of the ball and try and figure out who's going to be a part of the 2018 Green Bay Packers. The Packers have played their four quarters. Now it's time for the fifth quarter. Unbelievably, year number 39 for the fifth quarter, and for, I think, the fifth year now, we are at the brand-new, newly-renovated Stadium View Bar & Grill on Holmgren Way. I tell you, it's amazing. Yeah, it looks great it is a pleasure to welcome our guest he has uh he's been hitting leadoff for a couple of years now in his 11th season as president uh, of the uh, green bay packers incorporated when this show started he was a fourth year kid out of colgate right that's right uh, uh just trying to make his way with the washington redskins at the time but it's great to have back ladies and gentlemen big round of applause for mark murphy with us hello mark mark it's great to be back Woo hoo! And it's great to have you back. I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I I know there's, I know Jerry Jones has his daily radio show he can't yeah. get enough of the airways but uh not every owner uh especially as unique as the packer situation uh will do this but you do this and i really do appreciate that it's nice come in and no. face the music and uh talk a little football and everything else going on at the street
1: well you know i haven't been inside uh, stadium view it's unbelievable what they've done here it's uh it's like a whole new uh whole new restaurant and bar it's great
0: yeah you know i was looking at I was telling jerry those tvs around the bar that looks like Atlanta Stadium with that ringed yeah, the yeah. scoreboard up at yeah. top. The most distracting scoreboard in the league. But anyway, Mark, uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, we welcome you with uh, without a playoff run to talk about. Uh, it led to a major restructuring throughout the organization. You've now had okay. seven months to kind of see how everything's running. How's everything running?
1: You know, I mean, time will tell. But uh, we're undefeated right now. Hey ho. Hey, okay. oh. <laughs> Yeah, Super Bowl, or yes, yeah, so are the Browns. No, seriously, you know, I, <laughs> you're, uh, obviously we had a, a great run. Um, I mean, last year was the first year since 2008 that we uh, failed to make the playoffs. And I think the consistency has served us well. But, um, you know, I, I think it was time for some changes, you know, starting um, you know, with transitioning Ted to the senior advisory role. I'm really, I've been very pleased with uh, the work of Brian Gutenkunst. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, the position is too big for him. I think he's made a smooth transition. I was very impressed with the way he handled the draft, and I, he's always looking for ways to improve the team. So uh, I, I'm I'm excited about the future under him. And you know, the other big changes were uh, you know in the coaching staff: the new defensive coordinator and new offensive coordinator. As you mentioned, uh, I'm really excited to to see what this offense will do with Joe Philbin back. Uh, he and Mike have a great com. They work well together. They're a great combination. And uh, you know, as you said, I mean, we had when he was the offensive coordinator, we had a heck of a run. From- yeah, you did. Uh, you know, I, that's for sure. There's one thing about Joe, and, I, and
0: this hasn't really come out publicly. And I, and I don't know if I'm way off base with this, but their relationship is so good, mm-hmm. Joe Philbin and Mike McCarthy, that I think Joe is one of the very few guys who will tell Mike, no, <laughs> no.
1: Let's do something yeah. other than that, and, and and that's a good thing. That's oh, yeah. a good thing. Well, you know, I think anybody in a supervisory or a manager role, management role, you, you have to be careful and really push people. That there are certain things you need to hear, and if people only tell you what you think, what they think you want to hear, you're, you're not getting the information you need. And Mike Pettin as defensive coordinator. Now I
0: know these are all under the purview of mike mccarthy yeah he is yeah. in charge of hiring the staff yeah but he went out and got a guy that was a head coach just like joe philbin had been a head coach at miami and Petton's defenses for his years with rex ryan and buffalo and the jets top 10 every year Been kind of in the weeds the last couple of years consulting for the seattle seahawks
1: uh that's a good get yeah i i think so like you said i mean, his track record is really impressive i don't think he's ever coordinated a defense that finished outside the top 10. So, I mean, for, if, we, if we're a top ten defense this year, we're, we're like a completely chances. different team. I like your chances, yeah. yeah. But you also wanted, you were very adamant about this when you
0: announced the change with Ted moving down the hall into that supervisory role uh, and consultant's role and bringing on Brian, the lines of communication uh, at the very top of the organization. You are now more involved and, and at least in more discussions in the football side of things than you ever have been before.
1: Yeah, you know, my thought process was um, really a couple things. Number one, I think we had their communication had uh, dropped off a little bit within football. There were some silos, and I thought that that the structure that we put in place could help eliminate that and make sure we have better communication. Um, The the other thought, quite honestly, is, you know, Brian is uh, a first-year general manager to be able to narrow his responsibilities and just give him the very most important parts of a general manager's job. And that's you know putting together the 90-man roster and the, then the 53-man roster, um, I thought would really would, would be in his best interest. Russ Ball also got the promotion. Yep. And had, that reflects, you know, Russ, is all, he's really been... He's been a very, uh, very crucial person within the organization for years. And I don't think his previous title really reflected that. Was he? Well, the other way, the other thought I had is, you know, we went through a a search process after the season, and kind of coming out of that search, um, I I thought there were really two, the two most important people on the football side, aside from Mike McCarthy, Uh, were it was most important to keep Brian and then Russ was right up there with him and figuring out a structure where both of them would remain and have important roles was important was Russ more involved with
0: football decisions personnel decisions over the last year or two maybe or was he strictly staying on the salary cap he's he's
1: been he's been involved you know since the beginning I mean Ted had great confidence in him and had trust in him is just t- his title. I mean, when you, if you look at his title, you would think, well, he just did the salary cap, right? But he he really uh, had pretty broad responsibility. And
0: one last thing, and then I'll let Z have a couple of shots at you. Sure. Uh, all right, with all of the changes, though, there were departures. Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, both depart uh, for Cleveland to join John Dorsey and Green Bay Packers, the other
1: Great Lake organization yeah. over there. Um, tough losses. Yeah, but I mean, we've. We- that's, you actually want that. I mean, yeah. that means that people view us, people across the league view us as developing, you know, talented, young uh, personnel people. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've lost a number in the past. And, uh, you know, in, in some ways too, I think for Elliot, I, th- I think it's a really a positive move. Yeah.
0: I think it is too. Uh, did he give you any indication it would have been untenable working with
1: Brian? Uh, no, no. I mean, and he and Brian have a good relationship. Uh, But I think for him, you know, a a chance to work with somebody he knows. You know, Brian is so young that they're about the same age. And, you know, quite honestly, Mark, um, as long as he was with the Packers, he was Ron Wolf's son now good he's only wolf good point good you know, point he's his own man all
0: right what's the latest on that contract situation uh,
1: what uh, what updates I could you took give a us? call during the break murph was that oh, <laughs> excuse me I, it's been a pleasure guys yeah. <laughs> now at uh yeah I, i'm still hopeful we can get a get a deal done with him he wants to be here we want him here you know he wants to play till he's 40 and uh you know it's just some of these things just take time i understand that um considering the business side of the league. Mm -hmm.
0: Almost all of these major extensions, though, Murph, have come with one year remaining. Has it complicated matters that he's got two left on a a deal, and you're still trying to restructure, not only to keep your overall cap preserved, but to give him what he is due, and that is to make him among the highest paid players in this league, which he deserves to be.
1: Yeah, no, and there's no question. But with with Aaron, we've always done his contracts with two years remaining. All right, so that's kind of been our pattern, and you know we'd like to do that again.
0: But it's been cordial. We're not talking Khalil Mack or Roquan Smith or anything else like that.
1: No, it's uh, no, and Aaron's very professional. I mean, you you know you watch him in practice, and yeah, you you wouldn't know that there was any issue, and yeah, so I'm confident we can work it out.
0: But at yeah, about twenty-two, I think he's the tenth highest quarter-paid quarterback
1: in the league right now. Danica can throw him some lunch money <laughs> yeah. if he's really hurting, don't you think? <laughs> well, done the challenge pretty well. is, you know, I mean, we want to, you know, pay him what he's due, but we also want to field a championship team, and he wants both of those things, too. So, you know, hopefully we can come together. It's very easy to upset a salary
0: cap apple cart oh, yeah. when you invest yeah. too much into too few players. Yeah. It
1: restricts you and your ability to yeah. fill out a roster. Yeah, and the, the key to win in the NFL um, you have to hit on your draft picks, you know, especially with a new system. If you have real, if you have talented draft picks that are playing on rookie contracts, especially if you have a quarterback playing on a rookie contract, just ask Russell Wilson. Hit. Russell you Wilson, know, the Seahawks, you know, Philadelphia he, they, they, last year. Yeah, they the were C- able to go out and pay pretty good money for a backup quarterback, and Seahawks get to a Super Bowl with yeah. a quarterback earning a
0: hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, kind of rare. Now, kind of rare indeed. So. What's
1: the most rewarding part of your job? Uh, well, I I don't know if it's rewarding, but it's the variety of my the things that I get to deal with. Uh, I deal with league issues, um, working with on Town, Obviously, uh, uh, you know uh, my role within uh, within the organization on both the football and the business side. It's just the the wide variety. Um, you know, I, I think my interaction with the, the fans is something that I really enjoy as well. And it, it can be, it's very rewarding, you know, when you, you work hard and you try to do things to improve the fan experience and make the team um, or help the team win championships. And when people recognize that, it's it's very rewarding. Hardest well, part about what you do? Uh, well, you know, w- winning on a consistent basis, winning Super Bowls, <laughs> you know, we you've had success and then – um, You know, when you get to the point where it's Super Bowl or bust, um, you know, you feel you know, that pressure. What, uh, oh, yeah, I think we yeah. all do. Yeah, it's, but you'd, you'd, it's, that's a heck of a lot better than nobody caring and, uh, you know, some of the things that you see across the league. Um, but I, I think you have to be, you know, I think it's my role is, you know, to set realistic expectations. And, um, and each year is different. Um, and you know, if, you know, there were years where, geez, we didn't win the Super Bowl, but still had a really good year. And as long as you're continuing to move forward and, and improve, uh, you know, I still feel good about. it. Although uh, it is disappointing when the you know when the season ends and uh, you're not uh, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. What's the expectation you set this year? Oh, absolutely. I the think Lombardi it's, Trophy. I yeah, would yeah. imagine. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, and, you know, it's not just because Aaron's 34, but, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think we – I'd be very disappointed if we didn't have a really good year this year and get back into the playoffs. Once you get in the playoffs, um, anything can happen. As we saw in 2010, you know, we went in as a, as a wild card and, uh, you know, played our very best football yeah. and won the championship. We also won in as a one seed at 15-1, and one, and yeah,
0: you've got to be right. No. you got to stay healthy yeah. and uh, knock on wood. CampCast,
1: a Midwest communications podcast.